Thank you for listening to the Crossroads Sermons podcast. If you would like more information about our church, please visit www.crossroadstw.org. Well, good evening, everybody. I'm glad you're with us. For those watching online, thanks for tuning in. Uh, we're excited. We're here for one reason and one reason only. We're here for Jesus Christ. That's the only reason we're here. Come on, come on, come on, come on, y'all. Come on. That's why we're here. So thanks for joining us. Man, it feels good. Man, uh, Ryan, great job. And the team, phenomenal job. And if you are guests with us, we've been on a journey, as Pastor Josh just mentioned, we've been on a journey as a church talking about the gift. We wanted to really see uh, a fresh, this whole Christmas vibe, right? We can normally make it really sentimental. We can make it very, we romanticize uh, Christmas. It becomes about the, the gifts under the tree versus the one who died on the tree. And so what happens is we can actually lose the thunder, lose the fervor in which this, this whole meaning of this season really means. And so what we've been saying is the Lord is not so concerned with us having a white Christmas. He's more concerned with us having a right Christmas. He's more concerned for you and I to have a right Christmas. That means to have a theological, a healthy understanding again afresh of what really took place in Bethlehem. So if we can do that, I just want to take us to Bethlehem. I wish we can actually transport to Bethlehem. That'd be cool, right? But Bethlehem, oh Bethlehem. The meaning of the name means the place of bread. And here in Bethlehem, the bread of life will be born for you and I. But not only for you and I, but that our souls will be made full. Now, let me tell you how we get there. There's one song that came out. We're going to sing it at the end. It's one of those, it's, it's, the, it's the moment all of us have been waiting for. Y'all like, come on, just get out of here, bald head preacher. We want to get to the candlelight, right? <laughs> it's called Silent Night. Everybody say Silent Night. So what happened on this silent night? Have you ever really thought about this? What really took place? This silent night, the sinless Savior would put on flesh. And this silent night would be broken by the sound of a cry of a baby. Heaven wrapped in flesh, what was veiled to creation, you and I, man, woman, boy, and girl, um, now will be revealed through the birth of this great one called Jesus. This is what happens on this silent night. The song wrote, wrote this way. This is a different new rendition, if you will. It says, how do you mend a broken world? How do you mend a broken world? That's why we're here. This is what Christmas reminds you and I of, that, that there was something wrong. Every single year, we, we're kind of like in a, um, a, a transporter back into time, and we remember all the great memories we've had, and we're kind of just reminded over and over again of this great need that every single one of us that we still have. So how do you mend a broken world? You give it a gift it could not never earn. It could never earn. You pour out a love that it doesn't deserve or it don't deserve. Sending a son and a savior. It was a silent night. A holy night. All is calm and all is bright. But, but here it is in Bethlehem. I'm gonna say, we're going to preach from one passage this evening. I'm not going to be long. I'm not going to be drawn out. But one passage, as we've been on this journey talking about the gift, we've talked about the gift of hope starting off in verse 1 in John chapter 1. The writer John says this, the articulate John himself, 
the beloved disciple said that, hey, look, in the beginning was the word. So there's hope before anything that we would ever do. Now, y'all know in Genesis 3, we broke the uh, the standard, we, we missed the mark, we, we dropped the ball, if you want to say that. And so in the beginning, the word, Jesus Christ, was already existing. So even before you and I broke the standard, we dropped the ball, the relationship between God and man was severed. God had a plan, so there's hope, the gift of hope. But not only that, we, the second week we looked at the gift of life. That this life that we were supposed to live was in Jesus. Zoe life. Everybody say Zoe. Zoe life, and it means spiritual life. The spiritual intended life that we were supposed to live. And they all know sin entered to the picture, so it broke off this actual life. So Jesus is the Zoe life. Then the next week, we looked at Jesus as the light of the world. He came bearing light. He is the light of the world. He's the only hope for the world. Jesus is but he's also the only light of the world. Some of us, we may think something else is maybe the light and the hope, but I'm here to tell you this evening, as you get ready to go home and have some hog mogs and some chitlins, amen. <laughs> I'm here to let you know that there's only one hope and there's only one light, and that light and hope is Jesus Christ. Well, now what we're going to do is we're going to talk about the gift of love, but in a different way. I just want to look at what really took place in Bethlehem on this silent night. John chapter 1, verse 14, the writer, he gets to this climactic point in this, his dissertation. Verse 14, he says, and the word became flesh. The word became flesh, the logos, um, the intended meaning. The, if we want to read God's mind, we see it in Jesus. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, the glory as of the only son from the father, full of grace and truth. That's all we want to do. I love with a message, and I don't read from the message that often, the message translation, but it reads in this way. I love it. And the word became flesh and moved into the neighborhood. Hey, isn't that cool? Like the creator of everything that we see, the expansion of all of creation, he, he houses himself in flesh and he moves into the neighborhood. So what's significant about that, Pastor Marcus? And the word became flesh. Notice that John didn't say the word was made. I'm very syntactical when I study. We're very exegetical here as a church. We want to exposit the Bible, not make the Bible say something that it doesn't say, but actually um, see what the Bible says, and then that's where the sermon comes out. So this is what I'm trying to point out. John says, and the word, Logos, capital W, that was from the beginning. He is the only hope. He's the only light for the world. He became flesh. The Bible doesn't say, and the word was made. Why is that important? There's many different beliefs out there that will discredit the deity of Jesus. Arianism, Apollinarianism, if you will, all these isms and these different creeds and different uh, councils, excuse me, will come back. It's like the early 4th century and 4th century will come back and actually defute and refute these actual arguments. Saying that Jesus was, yeah, he was, he was, he was the highest created being. Arianism. 
that he was the highest created being. So disassociating the deity of Jesus, whom John says in verse one, was from the beginning. So this silent night is not just peering in a, a manger with straw and hay. And, and, and by the way, we like to, again, romanticize this whole deal. It was a very nasty and stinky environment. Because the last time I checked, if animals are in there, it's going to be stinky. But here it is. He's the word. The word became flesh. I mean, th think of this. This is, this is mind-blowing. That the same God who spoke everything into existence, who separated light from darkness, not saying that light didn't exist before creation, but light had already existed in God himself. He is light. But then he creates everything that we know and see, the birds, the air, the fish, and the animals, and, and all of creation. And this God would house himself just like you and I. So that means, again, that Jesus had chromosomes. He had blood vessels. Jesus in the manger, come go with me to Bethlehem. He had arteries and, and blood cells and, and tissue. He had, he had muscle, um, muscles, if you will. He had toes and he had fingers. Jesus would have bad breath. Again, I want us to see something that we, again, romanticize this, this picture of, of Christmas. But Jesus literally came, became just like you and I. Why? Why, why was it important that he became 100% God, 100% man? You want, you, know, you want to know why? He was the only one able and accredited to die for the sins of the world. There was no one able. There was no other able. There was no one else that was accredited from the Old Testament. Over 11 key passages in the Old Testament specifically talks about the birth of Jesus Christ. And one in particular in Micah, the one we all know, Bethlehem was kind of dissed as his city. The, the writer, the minor prophet would say, hey, look, hey, Bethlehem, you're not going to be just dissed. Um, from your city, this small town is going to come a savior. That was 700 years before Jesus was even born. So the fact that we see that the word became flesh, it highlights God's faithfulness. That he was faithful then and he's faithful now and he will continue to be faithful. And the word became flesh. And not only that, it talks about if there's no Christmas, think about this. If there's no Christmas, think about this. If there's no Christmas, there is no forgiveness of sins. Again, I, I hopefully that you do not shut your heart off in just a little bit. I'm going to share the gospel but the whole idea of this season is that we were lost, separated from God. God housed himself. He moved into the neighborhood. He became flesh. He wasn't made to make provisions for you and I. In other words, to make us right back with the Father again. Now, the Bible says he became flesh. I want you to see this word flesh. The Bible doesn't say that he became man, specifically. Yes, we know he became a man. We know that. But John would use this word flesh for a reason. I'm gonna, can, we, can I teach this for a little bit? There's eight more minutes. He uses the word flesh. Everybody say sarks, sarks. Go. Not sharks. Somebody up there, heard, right there, I see you right there. Sharks. No, 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 not sharks. It's not shark week, okay? 
Sarks. Everybody say sarks. That's the Greek word for flesh. So what John is doing here, by God's sovereignty, by the power of the Holy Spirit governing him as he writes, already refuting what these other arguments will come out to say and discredit the deity and the humanity and the hypostatic union, that in one body there was, a, um, there was two natures within him pulling off redemption. That the writer would literally sit here and use this particular term, flesh. Why? Because he was completely just like you and I. He was tempted like you and I, yet without sin. I mean, come, the writer in Hebrews would say this, that we have a high priest that sympathizes with us, and he can, why? Because he's been tempted in every single form and fashion, but yet without sin, so we have a savior, you have a savior. You have a one that was born in Bethlehem and the place of bread, the bread of life will be born for you to die for you, to go from the cradle to the cross. Why? So that you and I can have everlasting life again and it only happens in and through him. It's only, it's only made possible through him. But he goes on to say this, not just flesh, he was accredited from the Lord, but the writer says, and we've seen his glory. What John is saying is we've seen the manifestation of the beauty of God's face. We've, we've been able to see the beauty of God's face in the person of Jesus Christ. Why? Because he's moved into the neighborhood. Notice he says we, by the way. John, why did you say, and I have seen his glory? Well, he says, well, we. In other words, all the disciples. Isn't it amazing that Jesus walked among them? Isn't it amazing that Jesus was born for you and I? Isn't it amazing that Jesus not only was born, but he died, but also rose again on the third day? Isn't it amazing that he's also keeps coming back? The same God that became flesh is the same God now for all of eternity. Stay with me here. This is crazy. We're going to land a plane. This is crazy. That for all of eternity now, we will be reminded of his sacrifice for you and I. He said, we've seen him, this glory, we've seen, in other words, the word is scrutinized, we've watched very closely. Yeah, this is the one. We've scrutinized Jesus. He said, we've seen him, and what, what was he? He was the only begotten, he was the only son, unique like no other, full of grace and truth. And I'm going to stay here and we'll land a plane in this regard. He dwelt among us, we know that, but he was full of grace and truth. You and I, we need Grace and truth in our lives. We need both of them. I was thinking about this because either humans, we either live in one or the other spaces. In other words, some of us were all grace, some of us were all truth. In my house, I'm all truth. Can we go to the park? No. <laughs> but why not? I mean, you know what I mean? Uh, or what I do is I, I like to say maybe because that gives me a way out. Daddy, can we go here? Maybe, right? So now I'm not really committed to it. But my wife, she's grace. But notice the Bible says Jesus became sarks to pull off redemption for you and I. He dwelt among us. They were able to see the manifestation of the beauty of the Father's face. Not only that, he was a unique one, accredited from the Father, but he was full of both grace and truth. Why is that important? We need the Lord that's gonna, that can deal with us graciously. Think of this. Jesus' ministry, he would literally 
Spend time with the tax collectors. Can I get an amen? Because a lot of, a lot of, some of you are like, no, tax collectors, IRS, right? He, Jesus would love on IRS too. But tax collectors, the sick, the orphans, the children, the lame, the woman at the well. He graciously dealt with human beings. Why? Because he knows what it's like. And he wanted to identify with every single one of, of us. But then he's truth. Jesus is the personification of what truth really means. He is truth. In other words, if you have all truth and no grace, that's brutality. Think about it. All truth, no grace, that's just brutality. All grace with no truth, that's hypocrisy. So Jesus was full of both. Why? To pull off the impossible. Now, he wasn't born just to be a baby. He was born to be king, lord, and savior. We're going to sing about him being king of kings and just kings of kings in a little bit. But ask yourself this question. As you think about Christmas afresh, is he king, lord, and savior of your life? Think about this. And there's a way we're going to do this. It's the ABCs, very simple. Jesus didn't come. He wasn't born to be uh, a health coach. He wasn't born to be a, um, a therapist. He wasn't born to be a life coach. Jesus was born to be the Savior of the world, but also King and Lord. So what do you do? You say, Marcus, well, I need to know this guy. I don't know him. It's very simple, ABC. A is you, had, you have to admit that you're a sinner. You just admit that you're a sinner. I admit that I am a sinner in need of a Savior, and I believe in, in Jesus Christ. Not believe um, what he did, or just believe that he did something, Jesus, but believe in what he did. That make, y'all make sense? That makes sense there? Let, let me explain. Not just believe in that he did something, but actually believe in that he did the one and only thing. That's like if I'm getting ready to jump into the... The Pacific River or ocean, not river, ocean, Oakland Unified School District, amen. For the guests, y'all need to go back and watch more sermons, you'll get it, amen. But here it is. That's like somebody in the deep going, jump out, jump out, Marcus, I got you. Jump out, jump out. I'm moved into the neighborhood. Jump out, jump out. I believe that that person is there, but do I really believe that they can catch me? So A is admitting that you're a sinner in need of a savior, not just believing that Jesus did something, not just believing that Jesus was born, but believing that he was born for a specific reason, and that reason was to die for your sins. And then B, believe. A, admit, B, believe. You jump. Take a step of faith tonight. And that's what faith is biblically. It means to trust. And then C, you just, you just, just confess, Lord, I need you. Lord, I need you. Maybe that's you this evening. Jesus is the only person who ever chose, who was a, who, whoever, he was the only one who ever chose to be born. Think of this. He knew about the cross and the betrayal and the frustrations of being a person and still came. Mild he lays his glory by, born that men no more may die. Emmanuel, God with us. I saw this earlier this week. It's a phenomenal caption, if you will, of what Jesus accomplished. The defender of the weak becomes weak and defenseless. 
The one who covers all becomes naked and exposed. The one who cares for all becomes helpless and needing care. Talking about Jesus in the manger. The one who holds all things together now needs to be held tightly. And so since the word became flesh, you and I, we have a way back to the Father. Since the word became flesh, your sins can be forgiven. Every single thing that you've done. Since Jesus moved into the neighborhood, maybe something back in spring break some years ago, maybe something committed last night, maybe something if you, you haven't even committed yet. Jesus died. He was born to die this, in his place of bread for past, present, and even future sins. And so here's what I want to say. It doesn't matter. So since he was born, the word was flesh, since this was the case, you can peer into the manger this evening and have a rebirth. So I want us to do something really simple. I just want you to say, hey, look, if that's me, I want to, I want to ABC this thing. Very simple. ABC, ABC. Admit, believe, and confess. Jesus is more concerned with you and I having a right Christmas instead of a white Christmas. He wasn't born for us to romanticize this season over and over and over again every single year. But he wants us to know the significance, the importance, the dynamics of this silent night. The word became flesh and moved into the neighborhood. He lived the life that you and I were supposed to live. And he died the death that you and I were supposed to die. Jesus didn't just die for you. He died instead of you. So that in him, you can have eternal life. If you put your faith in him. So every head bowed, every eye closed. Lord, we do thank you for this moment. Thank you for your birth. Thank you for the new birth. Thank you for Christmas that as a believer, we can celebrate this new birth every single day. We thank you that you moved into the neighborhood. The word says that you dwelt among them as you dwelt in the tabernacle in the Old Testament. It was a place where you dwelled and a place where you met with people and a place where sacrifices took place. All three of those things, Jesus would accomplish as well. But think of that you so desire the tabernacle in us that you'll never leave us nor forsake us. What a great promise and truth. So in this season, Lord, somebody need hope. We live in a dark world. We need hope. Thank you that you're the only hope. Thank you that you're the only light in this dark world. And quite frankly, Lord, thank you that you're the only thing that makes sense. The cross. So if someone made a decision to follow you, I pray that they'll find a pastor, find a leader, and not be ashamed of really having a right Christmas. So Lord, thank you for your provision. We thank you for your birth. 
we thank you that that cradle turned into a cross. It's in your name we pray. Amen.